I, I grew up, uh, mom and dad uh, got married, and, and yeah, so anyway, I love it. all the way through my life, about 11 years old, they ended up, like, they ended up, no Christianity in my family, they got mm. divorced, and by 11 and a half, my mom, like, she was, she couldn't handle me, I was rebellious, I was rowdy, I was, there was no Christianity in my family, the whole way around, mm. so I went to a place called the Masonic Homes, and uh, I grew up there um, for about five and a half years in a place where the Freemasons, the Freemasons sponsor it. I went in there and I was fully addicted by 12. At 17, I ended up just addicted to what? what addicted to everything. everything. I needed whatever I could get wow. to make me feel better. Wow. Um, whether it was pornography, whether it was acid, mushrooms, whatever it was, whatever was out, I did it. I was afraid of needles, so I never went that route, but everything I could get. So um, I got out of the home, got kicked out, came home. My mom had remarried and she was with my stepdad. and. No one could be my dad, you know, and I was just, I was out there, man. I was just riding. My mom did whatever she could do to, to help me, and this was the best thing at the time. So I ended up joining the Marine Corps on a dare, and I went into the Marine Corps, and yeah, I semper fi to those Marines out there. So I went into boot camp. I did really well because I mouthed off the whole time um, in boot camp. I came home from boot camp and dropped like 73 pounds there and came home. Everybody thought I changed. I went back to base and... Uh, I went to my school of infantry, started partying again, and once I started partying again, I was like, you know what, I, I really don't want to be here. And so they were like, well, what do you, uh, you can't go home, and I said, well, I'm going home, and they said, you can't. I went AWOL, ran away, came home, stole a bunch of money, went out west to Colorado, out there hidden in the mountains in the Rocky Mountains for a little while, ended up getting busted, getting put in jail, got extradited across the U.S., got put in the brig down in North Carolina, was in there for, uh, for a few months, uh, about eight months, got out of there. Ended up on base, ran away again, went AWOL again, and about eight and a half, uh, no, about nine and a half months later, got busted out there, got put in jail, got extradited again, crossed America, got put in the brig. Um, nobody, you know what's crazy is nobody in my life interrupted me about Jesus. Not one person talked to me about God, and yeah, so not one person talked to me about Jesus I mean, my whole life. even like television or nobody. seeing a church or... Oh, dude, I thought nothing. that television stuff was a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. You know? Just wow. all that. I, I mean, that's how I based it. You sure. know, that was my life. Sure. And so um, I ended up getting out of the brig um, this time. They kicked me out, gave me a bad conduct discharge. I come home, ended up just trying to get job after job after job. And I was, I was fully addicted to drugs, man. So I couldn't really work. I was a dysfunctional drug addict. I wasn't functional about it. I stole money from everybody to get mine. And it was all about me. And uh, I ended up meeting this girl in a bar one day, uh, one night, met a, met a girl. And I tricked her into thinking I was this cool guy. And we ended up moving in together, and it was it was awesome. What I, area of the country is this? Uh, I was in York, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, we moved we moved in together, and about a year and a half in, we ended up having a daughter. And when my daughter was born, I realized I had no idea how to be a dad, and uh, I really messed it up. I just I the only way I could get out of that is by doing drugs and alcohol, whatever I could do to make me feel better up here. Yeah, so yeah. I tried to satisfy my soul, but my soul couldn't yeah. be satisfied with with that. I didn't realize it, but at the time. It was good, but I, was, I, I woke up, I got high. I smoked about an ounce of weed a week for about 22 years, man. So this was at the, at the end of the last nine years of this when I, mm. you know, I met this girl. So my daughter's born. I'm about ready to like, lose everything, bankruptcy, everything. She's like, my girlfriend's, I'm out of here. I hate you. Mm. I said, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. And this suicidal thing entered my mind. I thought about killing myself every day. And so I just, I couldn't be anything. I, I had no idea how to function in life. I was dysfunctional as it gets. Um, about eight months into our 
our daughter's life. She was going to lead me. She told me she was going to find somebody. So I told her, the first thing I thought about was, if she's with somebody, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to make you watch. I'm going to kill them. Then I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to kill myself, and my daughter's going to be left with nobody. And so guilt tripped her into this thing. But I really thought about it. It wasn't like a just saying it. I really contemplated mm. it. Because if I couldn't have my kid, nobody was. And I didn't know how to be a dad, so it was really twisted. So she stays with me um, out of fear in those seven and a half years of my daughter's life. We counted, like, I had 30 jobs that we could count. Quitter got fired by everybody. Went out one night, came home. She's gone. Um, I drove to her stepdad's house because I was going to rifle because I wasn't, I can't own a rifle because of my record and all. So I was going to go over there and get one and uh, was going to shoot myself. And on the way to the gun cabinet, I passed by a phone book. I flipped it open and it opens to churches. So I'm like, whatever, you know, this is so stupid. And really, that's how I thought. And I made a check at one of these 586 churches in my hometown. I drove to this church with a vengeance, just like to just hammer somebody, just to tell them like all my rage and stuff. And I met some guy who was completely in love with Jesus. Mm. And I was like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, I couldn't figure it out. Well, how can you be so happy? Like, you're in the same world I'm in. Yeah. He's like, well, it's not what's wrong. It's what's been made right. And he started to talk to me about what he went through and how Jesus, and I'm like, dude, I did not come here to hear about Jesus. And he's like, well, this is a church. But, for, <laughs> but it, the reality of it is, is in my life, I never thought that Jesus was in a church because nobody approached me with Jesus on the street or anywhere I went. So why would I think Jesus is in a church? Like, he wouldn't be hiding there, would he? Yeah. And so, like, he's, so he's telling me, and I'm like, he said, since you don't want your life, why don't you give it to somebody that does? And I'm like, dude, who would want my life? Like, really? He said, well, Jesus would want your life. I'm like, okay. So he shared the cross with me, and I'm like, I saw, I saw love in this guy's eyes. Like, I saw the lamp of the body is the eye, and if your eye is single, your whole body's full of light, and I, I saw love for God in him, and I'm like, dude, I don't even know what the deal is with you. And he just loved Jesus. And he, he's so special. His name's Dan Moeller. He's uh, just an amazing man of God. And I was like, okay, whatever, dude. If he wants my life, he can have it. There, I did it. And he's like, amen. I'm like, what is that? You know, and we ended, I ended up going home. He said, you're going to need my number. And I said, why am I going to need your number? He said, because you're going to need to talk to somebody. And I'd like to help you. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So he gives me his number. I go home. And uh, I called my daughter because I knew where they were at. They were at my girlfriend's mom's who hated me because I ruined her daughter's life. And I said, and, and Destiny answered the phone and I said, hey, you need to tell mommy that daddy found God. And my daughter said, what's he like, dad? And I said, I don't know, but I saw somebody that does. And the reality of it is this guy really knew yeah. that Jesus loved him. Yeah. Like it was real. Yeah. And he loved God. And I'm like, I'm going to take you to meet this guy. And, and he's going to tell you about Jesus. You know, and I had no idea what I'd given myself to. But anyway, um, my girlfriend came home, raged, screamed, freaked out. And I slept on the couch. That first night, I put my daughter to bed, told her, I'm sorry. It'll never happen again. And the first night, I'm out on a cocaine binge. And the second night, same thing. And I'd call that guy, Dan, in the morning. Dude, I did it again. And he'd say, how do you feel about that? And I'd say, horrible, man. And he'd say, well, good for you. And I'd say, it's not good for me to feel horrible. <laughs> they said, it is because three days ago, you wouldn't even have cared. Think Thank God it. there's a seed in your heart that's growing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Make it grow faster, man. <laughs> and uh, so, so this went on for about five and a half months. And five and a half months into this thing, I go out in town. And my girlfriend and my daughter, they follow me out. And I went out to call one of my dealers. And he wasn't home. And I turned around there behind my car. And I said... I'm so sorry, and my girlfriend's there, get in the car, I hate you, no, you're a hypocrite, and 
just horrible. She had no Jesus, no Christianity in her family either, you know, and my daughter's like, Daddy, you promised, and I did. I promised her every day I'd never do it again, and, mm. and uh, that night I pulled out of the parking lot, and I lost them, and I went down into the streets, and went down into a place, of, uh, a pretty dark section of my city, and picked up some kid from New York City, and I told him I was a cop. I ripped him off. I didn't have any money, man. I was out of money. I ripped us out. I, I took all of our money away, bankrupt everything, you know, mm. drained our bank account, and had this kid in my car, and I told him I was a cop. I read him his rights, told him he had the right to remain silent, and you knew that line. Oh, uh, so many times, yeah. So I, I ripped this kid off, and he's like, I knew you were a cop, and he's hitting the dashboard. I'm like, chill out, man. Shut your mouth, be quiet, get out of the car, put your hands on the hood. And when he did, I hit the gas to get away, and he pulled out a 9mm, and he unloaded it at me from 10 feet away. As soon as he got out the door, I, I was like, and I heard a voice, an audible voice in my car say, I took those bullets for you. Are you ready to live for me yet? And I had no idea what the voice was, so I'd never heard the voice of God before. You know, I never, and I never want to hear it like that again. Mm. Um, <laughs> I drove out of town. I smoked a quarter ounce of cocaine that night. Couldn't get high. Every hit I took, that voice killed my buzz. Came home. My driveway pulled in. Went out and looked at my car. There wasn't one bullet hole in my car from 10 feet away. And I realized this was God, and I had no idea how to find him, and he's finding me. And I went to the door and told her I got to get out of here, and she said, get out. I hate you. And... I left that night, and my daughter was screaming, and I left and went to a place, um, four days later, I went, three days later, I went to a place called Teen Challenge, and went into this program, and I submitted to God. When you submit to God, the resistance of the devil is in your submission. Mm. When you don't submit, you can't just fight the devil. Mm. So I submitted. I gave up. I just gave up. I said, that's it. I'm done. I went in, shaved my head, bald, I mean, the whole thing, man. I just went in, and I'm like, I'm monking it, you know, whatever. I did. I shaved my head. I'm like, I'm done living this, living this way. This was God. He spared my life. And I went in there. I never read a book before. So I had a comprehension disorder. I couldn't remember anything. So why read? Yeah. And uh, I went in there and I just, I got in the word every morning before everybody else was up for about an hour in a prayer room by myself. And, mm. and about a month and a half in, it started to open up to me. And I started to like the scripture about lacking wisdom, ask God. And I'm like, that's it. I don't have a clue. That's the one. And I, I started to literally rejoice that I had no wisdom. And it was like the Holy Spirit met me in that place. And right there is where we began our, our, our life together. And three nights later, um, I, I had had that night, I actually I met a homeless guy during the day. And he prayed for me. And crazy that night, um, instead of having nightmares like I did for the first month and a half I was in there, every night I'd be attacked in my dreams. Mm. I had this dream where I was in a valley and I heard a voice say, do not fear, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And the second night I heard the same voice. And the third night I heard a voice, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me to go home. And I'm 10 months early, so it's not looking good for the home team because I quit everything in my life, you know. And But I had this encounter where Jesus touched me, told me to go home. So I went downstairs and everybody's freaking out. And, and uh, I called Dan and I said, hey, I said, uh, I need you to come get me. And he said, Todd, is this God? I said, I met Jesus last night. He said, I'm on my way. Comes and picks me up and he takes me. I have to go to my house, not to live there. I ruined, you know, my girl's life. I've ruined everything. I, but I need to say I'm sorry. And I had had an encounter with the Father. And I realized that I'm loved by the Father. Mm. And that same thing that's in Dan's eye is now in mine. Mm. And I, I've had this encounter with love itself. It says that God is love. And, and so I had an encounter with, with love. I had an encounter with God. 
And so it, it's crazy. I get to my house, and my daughter comes running out. I held her. I held her for the first time as a father. I never, I never realized I was a dad, man. I, I, I'd had her for seven and a half years, but I didn't know I was a dad. Mm. And so I'm, I'm holding her. I'm telling her, I'm, everything's going to change. I love you so much, and you're going to see. I'm going to show you who God is as a father. And Daddy, I'm so glad you're home. And I'm like, I'm not home. I can't stay here. I'm out. I'm trying to talk her into understanding. And she says, no, Daddy, this is your home. And I'm holding her. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's so hurt, you know. And my girlfriend comes out of the house. And I said, I'm so sorry. I messed your life up so bad. And she told me that when I went away, she'd given her life to Jesus. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just started freaking out, saying, are you kidding me? And I looked at Dan. And he says, I've been pouring into her when you're gone. <laughs> just awesome. God, you know. Man, and you, uh... So that day, um, I told her, I knew in my heart, I was so convicted of where my life was, that she now loved me and forgave me. But the last thing that I could do was move back in. We can't move in. We're not in a covenant. And understand that God made a covenant with me. And so, like, I'm so convicted. I'm talking, like, 22 years of horrible sin, horrible drug addiction, horrible pornography, everything. I mean, addicted to everything. Not a dad to... Just like that, the Bible opens up, becomes my everything. I'm convicted in a place where I know that now that she loves me and I love her, we need to do it the right way. Mm. And so I said, I cannot live here. And she said, you can't live here. We need to be married. And so we, I said to Dan, we need to plan this. And he said, you're not planning nothing. He goes, I know that you love her and I've been talking to her. I know she loves you. So we'll do it in between first and second service on Sunday. And so on Sunday, in between first and second service, I mean, who's going to come anyway? I love it. Yeah. You know, it's not like her mom was going to be like, yeah, I can't wait. Like, I ruined everything. And it's not about, it's not about her mom. It's yeah. not about her being in agreement with me. It's not about everybody that I've stolen from and hurt. It's not about them saying, well, you didn't finish the program. You're not changed. It's about the reality of my relationship before God and obeying the conviction of what love would do. Love doesn't compromise. Yeah. Love doesn't say, hey, listen, she loves me, I love her. God's un God, he understands I'm under grace. Grace isn't a license to live in compromise. Mm. Grace is the ability to walk out what the truth calls you to. Yeah. And so Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I've had an encounter with the Father. He says, no one comes to the Father except by me. So now I've had an encounter with the Father, yeah. with the encounter with truth itself. And now I have the spirit of truth. And when the truth comes, it sets you free. The truth will set you free. And I'm free. So we get married, and we've been free. And it's been 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. And my, our oldest daughter is 19 now. Mm. And our middle daughter is 9. And our youngest daughter just turned 5 on Tuesday. Right. And so I've got, like, these amazing daddy's girls. But they're, they're his girls before they're mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so excited about this. And I, I just... I believe that we can champion Christianity yeah. in such a way, never letting it be about, I mean, a testimony means do it again, God. Like, what you did in my life, you're going to do again in someone else's, because yeah, yeah. he's no respecter of persons. Yeah. He loves everybody the same. He loves everybody. You can't gain the love of God. You submit to the love of God. You can't earn it. Jesus paid a price for us to, to have it, to become it. But like when I got saved, I became right with God. Mm. And so now that I'm right with God, if God is for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. Like I love God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. And now I can love my neighbor as myself. Yeah. But I can't love my neighbor. So we, 
we talk about like talking to people about Jesus and, and, and all this. We, we think that it's evangelism and, and we've labeled it that, but honestly, it's love, man. Yeah. I love God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. And because I love my father, yeah. I can look in the mirror and I love what I see. Yeah. Not arrogance. It's not yeah. arrogance. Yeah. I see Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yeah. And when I look in my eyes, I see it. The eye is my lamp. So if my eye is my lamp of my body, and if my eye is single, my whole body's full of light. So I am not a little light. I'm the light of the world. Yeah. Every Christian gets to shine. It's not this little light of mine. We get to shine a blazing Come light, on. and we get to destroy yeah. hell daily every day of our life. Man. Yeah. And so it's an amazing life. You know, I have a scripture on my heart. I don't know. Can I share it? Are you good with that? Hello. Sorry, man. If it's okay, I just... This, this makes so... This, like... This has been so on my heart, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says in the beginning of this chapter, it says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. And it says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And this is like so, it's so amazing to me. Because that scripture, it says, I've, I've betrothed you to one husband. I've given you to one husband. And I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. As one that soul, that's mind, has never been with the world before. Mm. And so the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world in Romans 12 too, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So my mind is a blank canvas for my father to write on. But I'm, God wants to present me as a chaste virgin, one that's never slept with the world before, mm. one that's never been in bed with the world. Mm. And so he wants to present me that way. God sees me that way. Righteousness cleans me yeah. of all that junk, all that trash, all that stuff. And it says, but I fear lest as, some, as somehow, lest as Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your mind mm -hmm. might be corrupted but from the simplicity that's in the Christ. So it's the simplicity and the purity. So it's like, it's about the reality of the simplicity of this gospel. Yeah. And it's simple. God loves me yeah. so much he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. And if I believe, my whole life is wrecked by that reality. Yeah. And it's beautiful, man. Yeah. I love it. Well, you said something that's what I love about you. And it's, 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 it's what's lighting up your ministry. It's what you're helping so many people is because I think it's real easy to get it complicated. Yeah. It's really easy to get uh, so many images of what you think Christianity is. And then when someone just keeps it simple, yeah. the power of it works in the simplicity. Mm -hmm. And you, it just gets lost, doesn't it, in the yeah. stuff? Yeah. How did you, so how did you go from that place into being able to uh, help so many people? So how, what was the process of getting involved in, in serving Christ like you are now. Man, I, I, I never, like, when I got saved, I, I never held a job before. So I realized that the reason why I couldn't hold a job is because I was working for the wrong man. <laughs> and so, like, when I got yeah. out of Teen Challenge, we get married, and I just, I fell in love with God. Like, my wife was, you know, we watched a lot of TV. We, we watched a lot of TV when I first got saved. And when I came home from Teen Challenge, I realized I can't, I can't, like, just be in front of a television watching fruitless stuff anymore like my heart was convicted i need to be in this book and so i actually what i did was i dove into the bible i dove into it. i went in my bedroom and i started to pursue god and i would open my bible i'd never i'd never read it so i could preach because i wasn't a preacher i just read it so i could become what the word says i would go in there and get on my knees and 
I just, I just loved it so much. I'd go in there and say, Father, this is the word that you say that I am, and I don't understand it. Mm. But Holy Spirit, you authored this, mm. and you said that all Scripture is breathed by you. And it's for training in righteousness. I'm asking you to train me in what it means to be right with you. And I went after God to the reality of righteousness. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. I never went after God to get anything from him. I never, ever did. So my, my position was I need to understand what it means to be right with God. Mm. And see, when I understand what it means for me to be right with God, I have to tell everybody else that they can be right with God. And it's, it's everything. Mm -hmm. So that's simplicity to me. Seek first the kingdom. The kingdom's not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the kingdom's in him. So I need to have a relationship established with Holy Spirit. Yes. I need to understand right standing because in right standing, I'm, I'm right before God. It's not just a positional. People say, what's well, positionally right? Well, that's part of it. Yeah. But I get to stand before God. It says that I can stand before God blameless every day. Yeah. He told Abraham that. Stand before me and be blameless. Yeah. In an old covenant, man. Yeah. Abraham, Thanks. the father of... I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And now Jesus pays a price for me to not have to walk out 613 laws and 10 commandments. Yeah, yeah. But he pays the price for the old covenant and the new covenant, yeah. for the old covenant to be brought into this new covenant to where I live in two laws and all the law and the prophets hang on to. Love God with all my heart, my soul, my yeah. strength, and my mind, and love my yeah. neighbor as myself. Yeah. And I have to understand what that is in its fullness. And yeah. it really is understanding that I'm right with God. Yeah. I've lived for, I've lived for 11 and a half years without one day, one day, of condemnation, guilt, and mm. shame. I've lived without being offended and hurt by people. Mm. And I've lived that way. And people say, well, it's not possible. Well, you're basing that possibility on your hurt and your pain. Yeah. I've lived there. Yeah. I, I realize that God loved me. If Jesus, my king, can hang on a tree and be ripped apart in his flesh and his yeah. beard ripped off and spit on and everything, yeah. marred beyond any man, yeah. and he can look at people that are spitting on him yeah. and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, then I need to come to the reality of realizing that people do what they do because they don't know who they are. Right. And people right. are like, well, you don't understand that. Lots of people have these issues of being hurt by church. Yeah. Like, I got hurt by the church. Or I got hurt by a pastor yeah. and the reality of that. And so we think we're justified in our pain of being hurt by a church. So we pull away from church and we do our own thing. Yeah. Like sometimes we have people that pull away from church, don't want to be a part of a local body yeah. and they want to establish a home group. I call it wound licking clubs uh -huh. where you're at home licking each other's wounds, uh, yeah. licking each other's pain. And you, you've got an issue with God's bride. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, come on, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Cause the reality of this is, is if you got hurt by somebody in church, it's probably because they didn't know who they were when they did it. Right. But if you got hurt by it, it's because you didn't know who you were when it came. Yeah. Right. So either way, it doesn't justify your pain. Exactly. So that thing gets cut off easy when you see the price that was paid for yeah. you. Yeah. See, the cross to me isn't the revelation of my sin. The cross is actually the revealing of my value. Mm. So sin is horrible. And it, it covered this, since we were covered by sin, but Jesus paid a price. He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become something. And so if he became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then the cross is the revelation of my value. See, in the world, if I'm going to pay for something, I'm only going to pay what something's worth. Like if I were to sell somebody a, a house and a realtor and, and say, listen, this house right here, I want you to give me, you know, two and a half million for this house, but it's only worth $70,000 on the market. It doesn't make any sense. And you'd never give somebody that for it because it's not worth it. 
And a car is the same. If you were going to go buy a new car, and that car was, you knew it was worth $22,000 brand new, right? And that was the sticker price on it. But they wanted to charge you four times that. Yeah. You would never do it because it wasn't worth it. Well, if something on the earth, the price that you pay for it determines its value, how much did heaven pay? Mm. How much did Jesus pay mm. to get us back? Yeah. I mean, heaven went bankrupt. So the value of a person is determined by the price that was paid for. And when you see the price that heaven paid for you on the cross, your whole life will change. And if you understand your value, your whole life, everything about you will change. You'll look in the mirror and like what you see. And lots of people, even Christians, can't why, look in the mirror. Why is that? You, you, you've come, you know, you've come from such a, uh, a dramatic and just it's powerful story of being an atheist and doing all this. And then you come in now for a little bit just help me understand what is ha what happens to us, those of us that are in the church, we're in it a long time. Yeah. Where does it start breaking down to where the simplicity is gone, the value's gone? Yeah. You know that you're 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 uh, you're drawing people to your ministry, yeah. and they're drawn to something that you have that they should have. They've yeah. lost. My like I always whenever I speak at different places, I just say, hey guys, I'm here to talk to you about normal, because honestly, I'm not. There's no the worst thing we could have is like celebrity Christianity yeah. or elite. Yeah. It breaks my heart because Jesus paid a price for us to know yeah. that we're loved, to know that we're valuable. Yeah. Um, a lot of the church doesn't read their Bible, dude. Yeah. Like, they don't read the book. Yeah. Like, the Bible's right in front of them. Yeah. And so what we do is we want a pastor or a teacher or a preacher or a prophet or whatever, we want them to take us to the Father. Yeah. But Jesus paid a price for this book to come and to be alive. It's alive, sharp, and active. So a lot of people, they get born again. See, I, I believe that there's a lot of people that talk about first love, like I need to return to my first love. I, 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 there's a place where we realize that we came to God and we didn't love God, for, God first loved us, yeah. right? So, but there's a place where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, in Matthew 11:28, yeah. all of you are burdened down, weighed down by life. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Yeah. Right? And that's great. But there's another part to that scripture, and it says, and and all of you, you're come to me, and and then take my yoke upon yeah. you, for I'm I'm meek and lowly. My burden, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And learn from me. Yeah. So learning from Jesus, yeah. and you will find rest for your soul. So a lot of a lot of people in Christianity come to Jesus and we, he gives us rest. Yeah. But then the reality of living and abiding in yeah. him and actually learning from him yeah. so that we have rest for our soul. Yeah. So I've lived yeah. in a place of soul rest because of pursuing God. Yeah. That's, that's everything. Hebrews 3 and 4 and it just goes through yeah. it and it says, you know, it says, beware lest any of you have fallen short. Of, of his rest. Right. There's a promise to enter his rest in Hebrews right. 4. And so Jesus is the rest of God. Yeah. And so learning from him yeah. gives us our rest. And that's yeah. the simplicity of this yeah. thing. I love it's it. being in rest on a constant, my soul being in rest. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And so how did you, how did you get into, you know, you, I, I love what's unfolding here. And then at some point you start seeing the pain in other people and this desire to help people be healed, for people yeah. to walk in. You know, you, you went from reading the Bible and you just kind of bypassed all of the theolo theology and all of the, the, the maze that sometimes Christians, and you just went straight to, okay, if this is real, then this works, let's work it. So yeah. you, you like started 
you would pray with people, talk to people. Talk yeah. to me about how all that began. Well, I, well, I, when I, when I saw some, I saw Dan. He had a healing service, and I saw somebody get healed one day, and I, I couldn't believe that this was happening. And I said, "What is going on?" And he said, "Well, this is, a, it's your believer," and I'm like, "Wait a minute." So you're saying that I can be forgiven, be right with God, and then people get healed too? And he's like, yeah. And I went, oh my gosh, dude, I'm going to pray for everybody. <laughs> so I said, well, if God's doing it in the church, why wouldn't he do it out there? And he said he would. So I went after this thing and just started to pray for people every day. And I took my little daughter with me and we'd go shopping. And in two and a half weeks, my wife said she'd never go in public with us again. And... <laughs> It literally, she didn't go in public with us for eight, almost nine months. Oh, my goodness. And so I, after about three and a half months, after about praying for almost, probably almost a thousand people, um, I saw one person get healed. And I just oh, knew it was God's will, but I never saw it happen. And then I did, and I couldn't believe it. And I was so excited. And so I, I pray for about nine to, you know, 12 people every day of my life, every day. And I would, and then once it started to happen, I'd write down the testimony of what God did so I could keep my eye on what he was doing and not what I wasn't seeing. Yeah. And so after about five and a half months of praying for people, I saw, I saw, um, it was 45 minutes of writing down what God was doing every day um, on my job. And just, it was exciting to me, man. And about nine months in, my, my wife actually went in public with us for first time. She said, I'm going to go shopping with you today. And uh, it, the reason why is because you're way too long. You take way too long to go shopping. <laughs> oh, we, we take an hour and a half, two hours. So we went to the grocery store. She went this way. Me and Destiny went this way. And we were walking, and Destiny and I saw this lady in a scooter. And so Destiny's like, we're not going to pray right now, Dad. I said, oh, yeah, we're going to. Mom's way over there, you know? <laughs> so we ended, up, we ended up asking this lady if we could pray, and she wouldn't let us. And I said, please let us pray. And she had an eight what and a half. She year. wouldn't let you. Sir. No, she wouldn't let us. And, uh, but she knew that. Um, she said she watched Richard Roberts at night, and so she had a grid for healing. So I'm like, man, well, we're members of the... And she's like, I'm okay. So I looked at her granddaughter. I didn't know the severity of what she had. Um, and I looked at the granddaughter, and I said, do you want your grandma to play with you again? Mm. And she's like, I cannot believe that you just did that and brought my granddaughter. <laughs> and so the, grandma, the granddaughter's like, yeah. And so here the grandma had had four back surgeries. Her back was fused, and she was fused in the seated position. And so we prayed for her, and I asked her to get out of the scooter, and she was like, I, I'm in tremendous pain. And she was telling us how, she was sweating in the cart, not because of prayer, because she's in pain. 27 years she's been locked in this position and hasn't been able to move fuse because of pain. And so she got out of the cart, and I got the girls around her, and we, my little daughter and granddaughter, we prayed for her, laid hands on her, and her back went pop and pop right there. You heard it. Her, felt it pop, and she went, <clears throat> and she stood up right there straight. I didn't know what a fusion was, so I had no idea. All I know is that it popped, and it was weird. And the granddaughter goes, Grandma, run! And she screamed at Grandma. And they ran down the aisle. And they go down the aisle, and she comes back and in walks my wife in the aisle. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> so I asked her to go and talk to my wife to tell her what God had done. She went back there, and she started talking to, to Jackie. And she looked at me, and she looked at this lady, and she looked at me, and she burst into tears. And that day, that lady walked out of that store, completely healed. Her granddaughter drove the thing out. I went home, didn't say a word, went back in my bedroom, came out. My wife was on the couch crying for an hour and a half. Mm. She said, I'll never stand in the way of God again. This wow. is the Lord. Wow. God spoke to me and said, yeah. your husband believes me. Why don't you? Yeah. That's what happened.
Well, 